Welcome to another episode of the two-on-one podcast with Adam and Alex. Alex, we are back. Hello, Adam. Hello, Alex. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm really good. Nothing's gone wrong today. No. No, no technical issues before we started the show. Definitely but, not. Alex, there's a lot been going on in the league. Montreal, Toronto both played last night. Some big wins on both of the fronts. But you know how we start the show off. It's time for the power hour. Yes. Presented by no one. We're still working on that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we should start out. Let's give a shout out to good old Ryan Getzlav. Stanley Cup champion, played his thousandth game the other day in his career. Thousand one games played now, 934 points in that span, 120 points in 125 playoff games. Talk to me about Ryan Getzlav. It's awesome. Uh, is he going to the Hall of Fame? You know what? I I think he will one day be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think he's right away, but I would be surprised if by the end of the day he's not in there. He was at the – was he at the Olympics? Uh, I would be surprised if he wasn't. He was – yeah, he was, 2014 and 2010. Okay. He's. It sucks that he's been out west because we never talk about him. Yeah, no, it it does suck. I, I'm just, yeah, to one cup, he'll hit a thousand. You think he'll hit a thousand points? Uh, you know the way Anaheim is looking, like getting younger, and he'll have some better line mates. You know, right now, eleven point seventeen games. I think he will. Not this year, obviously, but probably next year he finally hits it. Hoping he stays healthy, of course. Yeah, that's a big thing. But congratulations. congratulations. Pretty much it. Uh, uh, I added one thing because yeah. I don't know if you were going to get to it later, but uh, Zdeno Chara hit 1,500 games. I did not. I had it on my HFR notes, but I did not have it on this. Yes, of course, last night game against the Montreal Canadiens in Montreal. Uh, 1,500 games played for the Giant. One of the biggest free agent signings in history was Zdeno Chara leaving the Ottawa Senators, going to the Boston Bruins, one of the best captains in the league, one of the most gentlemanly players when you really think about what he could do, what he chooses not to do. He got a warm reception from the Bell Center. Which yeah, is, I saw that. Which is weird. I saw a tweet saying, Zdeno Chara getting a courteous clap in the Bell Center is like getting a five-minute standing ovation in Boston. <laughs> yeah. Listen, like, he's a cup winner. Seven-time All-Star. He's won the Norris. He's won the Messier uh, Leadership Award. He's 1,500 games. He's 42. He has done everything except win an Olympic gold medal. Has a Daniel yes. Chara. Yes, yes. An but incredible he's an, career. He's a Hall of Fame player, for sure. Oh, yes, of course. No questions. Whenever no questions he decides does. to hang him up, he's going in there. How long do you think he's gonna play? How, how I, many more? You think it, this is his last year? I think it is. Okay. I mean, 
he's a he's a bit of a phenomenon in that he's 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 if he played another two years, I wouldn't be surprised because his health regiment is just so special. Right. Ever, ever know the story of of when he was in Ottawa and Daniel Alfredson went biking with him, and he comes back the next day and uh, uh the late Brian I think it was Brian Murray the late uh Brian Murray asked him oh so how did it go? Uh, he asked Char how the bike ride went and he's like. It was terrible. Daniel Alfredson, he dropped out only um, after only four hours. <laughs> so uh, that talks about the health freak that is the Daniel Char, right? That's funny. Yeah. Still playing top line minutes, playing against the best players of the world at which, that age, fifteen hundred games in. With Charlie McAvoy. With Charlie McAvoy. I I don't I think this is true. Was it not? I I think I read on Twitter last night that uh, Chara started playing just before McAvoy was born or something like that something crazy like that it's it's very weird we we hate him because he's a brewer but we respect him as a hockey player yes no yeah he did so char started in the 97 98 season mcavoy was born december 22nd uh, december 21st 1997 can we really take a <laughs> second that Zdeno chara is one of the few players still in the league who played when Gretzky played? Wow! How many players? How many players in the league have done that? I, you know what? The weird thing is, I, I thought Lundqvist, but no, he was he he didn't get to New York by the time Wayne did. Uh, I'm pretty sure Thornton and Marlow didn't play like they were like right at the early 2000s. I think he may be the only player in the league who has. Marlow did. Marlow played the 90, 97-98. Oh, was, okay. Yeah, yeah. He was drafted. So, he was drafted in '97. When did Joe Thornton? Because they were one and two. Same year. Uh, yeah, same year. So they both played with Gretzky for, I guess, two seasons. Oh yeah, yeah. I I always forget that Thornton was a Bruin. Yeah. So I guess it's those two. <laughs> it's Marlowe, Thornton, and Char are the only guys left who played with Gretzky. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. Incredible. Uh, moving on, next topic here in the Power Hour. Ryan Paling, the leading goal per game scorer in Habs history, was called up. Just a great – he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. You love to oh see it, God. Alex. Okay. But seriously – Did he play uh, last night? He did, yes. Okay. I guess we'll get to that later then. Of course, obviously. Uh, do you know what the other day was a special anniversary of? I have no idea. You put it in the Power Hour notes, but I don't know what it is. So, November 5th, which was yesterday, was the anniversary of Matt Duchesne being traded to the Ottawa Senators from the Colorado Avalanche in that three-way trade that, of course, also sent (laughs) – let me just – Byram. Yes, that sent – the pick that turned into Bowen Byram, of course – Kyle Terrace was sent to Nashville, and of course Nashville somehow also ended up with sorry, Colorado ended up with Samuel Girard, who was from such Nash- a big part of that defense from Nashville. So Colorado, complete gangbusters there. That's annoying. I, I it just it's what a great trade for a player that clearly just didn't want to be there anymore. We all remember the picture from training camp. But how do you look at the Duchesne trade all these years later, considering what they ended up getting from him, Ali Abramov, all that stuff? Well, here's the thing: if you go back, you look just at the the uh, 
three-way trade. Ottawa only got Duchesne. Nashville only got Kyle Turris. Can I read you the things that Colorado got? Please do. Andrew Hammond. Okay, whatever. Sure, whatever. Uh, Shane Bowers, who's a prospect, I believe they just signed him uh, last year. He's 20. He's a center. First overall pick in 2017. First rounder. First rounder. Uh, he's playing in call uh, with the Eagles, their AHL team. Last year, he played at Boston University. Let me continue. They also got a 2019 conditional first-round pick, Boehm, Bowen Byram, uh, and a 2019 third-round pick, Matthew Steinberg. That's just from Ottawa. Those four things were just from Ottawa. From Nashville... They got Vladislav Kamenev, who I I've read was good. I don't know. Uh, he's play he's played in the NHL. He's played in the NHL for three years, uh, and then and kind of gone back and forth to the AHL. They also got Sam Girard, who they just signed to a extension, and a second round pick in 2018, Philip Hallander. So uh, what's really interesting about this trade to me, Alex, is with the pick that Colorado got that, of course, became Bo and Byram, the best defenseman available at last year, sorry, at the at this past draft, as well as getting Samuel Girard, it freed them up to be able to 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 trade Tyson Berry and get Nazem Kadri, a depth center, which they desperately needed. They right. this trade is just an A plus for the, the Colorado Avalanche and just a disaster for Nashville looking at what happened to Kyle Turris. But it's funny because it, it's funny because Matt Duchesne wanted out of out of Colorado. So you think that Colorado would not get all this for Matt Duchesne, but they did. They got all of it. Joe Sackick was patient and waited till he got his price. That's insane. And then if you want me to go to the second trade where they, he got sent to Columbus, uh, they got Vitaly Abramov, who's supposed to be – he's supposed to be good. Jonathan Davidson, uh, Lassie Thompson, and let me see. There's a tw- – there's a – 2020 conditional first round pick. I want to see if they get, no, they don't get that pick because he didn't resign. Mm. Which isn't the worst return, I guess, because everyone knew he was going to be traded, right? Yeah. Or everyone knew at the end of that, no matter what happened, he was going to Nashville. So it wasn't yeah. like you could. It's a shame because the Sens were terrible from the moment they got him. But he was he was so good as a send. His numbers were fantastic. Uh, I think the I big understand. the big the big criticism at the time was is he that much of an upgrade on Kyle Turris? And do you know what, Alex? He scored twenty three and twenty seven goals when he was three for like his first season. There twenty three goals, forty nine in sixty eight games. Right? That was because the Sens fell off the side of the world. But then. When he only had 50 games in the sense before they traded him, 58 points in those games on pace to score 30 goals that year before getting traded and being cold in Columbus. So, I mean, he delivered on his side of the bargain if you really think about it. But it's weird. Like, 
now that we're talking about the Senators, when they got Matt Duchesne, who did they also have? They also had Mark Stone. <laughs> they also had Eric Carlson. Who had a good they had, they had the same team that got them to the conference finals. And they added Matt Duchesne. Oh, they did lose Mark Bethot over the summer. Oh. Oh, no. They lost Mark Mathot. Did they also not get Thomas Shabbat? I believe he was... I don't know if Shabbat was playing, or it was his rookie year and he was a bit... Mm. Thomas Shabbat played 63 games in 2017-18. Oh, you're right. In 25 play... Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 No, the Sens are a disaster. Whoops. How, how do you... What do you give up? What did they give up in that trade... That was of consequence. Other than you, other than that fourth, the fourth overall pick. I mean, it's the it it's a fourth overall pick. No, I mean, other really, than the yeah, fourth no, overall they, pick, because when they traded that pick, who expected them to finish bottom of the league? No one. No one. It, the that only thing they really pick. gave up was Kyle Turris, and they yeah. upgraded on him with Duchesne, so they didn't really give up anything. God, yeah, it makes you really think, oh, boy, beside the fourth overall pick, which is terrible. Yeah, the, which is terrible, yes. The Preds didn't do too hot either. No, they gave up Sam Girard and got Kyle Tur- – and the Kyle Turris is what? Uh, is going to be their third line, uh, third line center, I guess. And is being paid $6 million to sometimes scratched. Yeah. That's the thing. They signed him to the ex- that extension right away. Did they oh, not? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was like I think the 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 extension dog was basically there. And then the moment it happened, it was a few hours later when it came. Adam, out. Adam, I'm on their daily faceoff right now. Do you know where Kyle Turris is playing? Uh, is he is he actually playing? Yes. Is he third line center? Fourth line center. Who's their third? Nick Benino. Oh, oh no. Adam. Their fourth line center is getting paid six million dollars. Okay, what's worse, uh, getting paid six million dollars and playing on the fourth line, or getting paid four and a half and playing on the third pair? I I don't want someone in my bottom six making six. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, moving on because we have spent <laughs> a lot of time on this. Uh, the Islanders have won ten straight. The big yeah. story, Cole Bardro, who, playing in college, actually broke his neck, played a bunch of time in the AHL, gets his first career goal on a penalty shot last night. The Islanders are on fire, but I refuse to admit I was wrong. Oh, I'll, I'll admit I was wrong. Like, winning 10 straight games, okay, like we saw it last year with Buffalo, but it still means something. Yes, it does. Especially when you have a coach like Barry Trotz. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to win the rest of their games, but they've also got superb goaltending. Uh, I mean, their fourth line is still I don't understand, but I don't know how it works because I refuse to believe that's how, what your fourth line should be. But I think I owe the New York Islanders an apology. Alex, I will let you do that. Just know okay. I am not ready to say they're legit. Okay, what what does it take for them to say what does it take for them to for you to say they're legit? 
if they are still in the playoff spot by January. By January, okay. All okay. Right. That's fair. Yes. Anyway, shout out. I want to give a little shout out to Milan Lucic. Mm, you got to be kidding me. Two, two games. games. He gets two games for sucker punching this guy with his glove on. I don't know, Alec. I don't know why I'm surprised about Can, this. I'm not surprised, but I'd like to I'd have a few things to say. Uh, go ahead. So I've been listening to a lot of people say, oh, like there are some people who are saying, oh, he shouldn't have gotten suspended. The two minutes were enough. Uh, you know what? He should have seen it coming. He poked at the goalie. It's not the fact that he poked the goalie and someone came up to him. It's the fact that he poked the goalie. Fine. And someone socked him in the face. Anthony Stewart was even saying, like, if you don't do it to a rookie, even if you want to go to this old school code thing, this old school, you stand up for your goal, you don't do it against a rookie. It has nothing to do with him being a rookie. It, 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 it really should not. It really should be that if you poke the goalie, that, fine. Someone come up to you, shove him a little bit. Don't sock him in the face. Uh, I'm, the, just, I'm just trying to take the devil's advocate thing of what Lucic is probably thinking. I know exactly what Lucic is thinking. I lost the puck at the blue line. I messed up. Now I got to punch someone in the face because he's slow. He barely can play hockey anymore. The only thing he's probably good at is punching people in the face. Well, Alex, we yelled a lot about this last week. Uh, Brad Living vehemently disagreed with the call, but, I mean, what's he supposed to do? James Neal right. is scoring all the goals. I want to give a shout-out to a bit of a better story. Ryan Trusinski, one of the victims of the Humboldt bus crash, is going to have surgery overseas to try and restore his, uh, you know, his mobility and all that, try and live a better life. So we, over at the 201 Podcast, send our love and our hopes and wishes yeah. over That's to awesome. that. That's uh, awesome. So somehow in overtime, three on three overtime, the St. Louis Blues get a three on zero in the process of all this madness. Vancouver have a chance. Tyler Myers takes out one of his teammates, and Shen and the rest of the Blues are just gone. You even hear the announcers go, "Uh oh!" silently if you rewatch it, right? Yeah. Jacob Markstrom has no loses team. it. Loses so, it. Obviously, Schwartz ends up scoring. Sorry, Schwartz ends up scoring for them. He's even laughing about it if you watch the replay. Markstrom understandably breaks his stick. I and Vancouver have been good, but this was just embarrassing. Bo Horvat almost got back, but this was pretty yeah. Hard. There was no, there was nothing they could do. I have no idea what this was. I, I I'm watching the play again now. It, it, they're just playing with Markstrom. They're just playing with them. <laughs> I felt so bad for him. And he smacked his stick against the uh, post. And like, what are you like? I don't even know what to say. Like, it's you notice tough. when they're first getting in the zone, he taps the like one of the the posts. I don't know if that's just him praying because he he like moves to get with it. They throw it over to the guy who's on the right. 
Then they throw it back to Schwartz, and he just bare like there is absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's I feel so bad, but. <laughs> oh. Well, do you know that Drew Doughty said some stuff? Oh, here we go again. He said stuff about Vancouver. Then he said stuff about Toronto. Then he apparently said, he didn't say stuff about Toronto. Then he's apparently like, it wasn't about Toronto. So Drew Doughty just loves to talk. He was yeah. sitting out in Vancouver, guys, twisting my words, pissing me off. This is a quote. I just want to go out there and play some games. He was he was backpedaling. He was going. Yeah, he knew like, what he did. He was saying a young team like Vancouver shouldn't beat us. No, that's not what you meant, dude. Did he – what else – what were you trying to say when you said Vegas? Remember when Vegas made in their first year? They beat the Kings in the shootout, and down he said, well, we're going to finish higher than them in the standings. They uh. finished Vegas, and they got swept by them. And then for the rest of the playoffs, they had a tweet that was quoting Dowdy on the ice for their opening ceremony. I just don't – first of all, I don't get why people are keep asking other players about the Leafs. And I also don't understand why Drew Doughty loves to talk and backpedal so much. Because this is not the first time you've done it. I, I'm personally going to comment on the stuff that when I listen to it, I it, it sounds like he's talking about the Leafs. I don't know about the other stuff. If you want to talk about that, uh, you definitely can. Here's what I have a problem with. Fine, he could say he's not talking about the Leafs, but it really sounds like he's talking about the Leafs and the start of his age. Do you have the quote up by curiosity? Uh, I can try and get it up right now. Hold okay, on. Okay, I'll, I'll keep talking. What pisses me off a little bit is is that for the sec- – for okay, they didn't ask anyone in Philadelphia – but this is the second time a superstar has come in. First Ovechkin, now Doughty. Why are you asking them about the Leafs? Like, why are you asking them what the Leafs need to do? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Why? Like, what do you get? You know, it's just going to cause an absolute mess. Like, it seems like one of the, a question that does not need to be asked. Especially a second time. I get it. Fine. You want to ask Ovi? Because it makes a little more sense with Ovi. That's how Ovi played for for a, most, a lot of his career. And, he, they're like, and a question can be asked to him because he kind of has, kind of has changed his mentality. But to go to Doughty and ask him a similar question or ask him a question that will get the same type of answer Ovechkin got you, what does that do? So I can I have a quote here. I'm trying to find all the context to it, but what the quote directly says is, "quote For them, they're still a, a young group of guys." Dowdy told reporters, "I about hope the they're leaves. going to learn about it, the leaves." I'm he. There is nothing directly like the way the article puts it is obviously there was the Ovechkin stuff. Then it says Dowdy was at well sorry then it says Dowdy was asked to provide his assessment on the Leafs today and of course he echoed the same so according to this article this is fan cited by David Morissetti for some you know so everyone can know there is some sort of legit journalism going on here he is asked or this article says that he is asked 
to give his assessments assessment on the Leafs. And the that's fine. Says for them, just remember he's trying to backpedal and saying that his words are taken out of context. He said for them, they're still a young group of guys. I hope they're going to learn, but it's up to them how they want to do it. If they want to play for themselves or if they want to win a Stanley Cup, they have to play differently. Which is exactly what Alex Ovechkin said. And is clearly, if this article is to be believed, and it's not like they're the only ones who were saying it, Dowdy did say it about the Leafs. That's why I don't care that Dowdy said it about the Leafs. He's right. At the end of the day, what they're saying is right. It's the exact but, same thing but, as Ovechkin. But why go and ask this why go and ask another star player? the same type of question that's going to get you the same response. What is, what are you getting out of that? Nothing has changed. When, when did they ask Ovi? How long? Uh, I believe it would be less than a week. They played one, two games. They played against Washington and then they played against Philadelphia. Then they asked Doughty the question, what has changed in between two games? The Leafs won some stuff. The Leafs won one game barely in a shootout where they played like they played like whatever again. Washington, they they played better. Last night was I don't even know. So nothing has changed yet. You if let's say you come back in a month and Ovi's here again, go and ask Ovi the same question. I That's fine. But don't every time a suit let's like who's coming in tomorrow? Vegas is coming in tomorrow. Philly on Saturday. Uh, oh, Chicago on Sunday. They're definitely oh, going to ask someone on Chicago. Why? So. That's just I think that if you want to get a real funny answer, a really good quote, you ask Phil Kessel. <laughs> because I would just light Toronto on fire. It'd be hilarious. Oh, that would get me. That would get get me pissed off a little bit. Give him a hot dog when he answers it. Uh, one more thing to close out the power hour, just because we are talking a lot about Drew Doughty, and I feel like we can, if you want to talk about him more, we do that when we get to the Leafs themselves, and we're about to talk some more Toronto. But last thing, I want to give you some uh, some statistics here, Alex. NHL goals this season. Eric Carlson has one. Jamie Benn has one, Taylor Hall has two, Taves and Barkov have two, and Victor Mete has three. Wait, wait, say sorry, say that again. So, so NHL, hold on, uh, NHL goals scored this season. Eric Carlson and Jamie Benn have one, Taves, Hall, and Barkov have two, and Victor Mete has three. Oh, that's awesome. Just thought we'd point that out. Well, That's Alex, awesome. I think we should start with this hoopla around there being another team in Toronto. And yeah, I know you want to talk about this, so I'm going to give you the lead for this because I actually don't know this much about this because I honestly don't care about expansion because the Nordiques are never coming back, so I, I don't care. <laughs> so this – I I – they were talking about it on uh, the Steve Dangle podcast. They talked about it, like for two episodes in a row. A lesser um, hockey podcast to ours. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> don't say that. Don't tell you those type of things. So I'm like, okay, what what are these guys talking about? 
So I found it was on uh, City News, and it was basically like a group of investors are hoping to bring an expansion team to it says GTA, but basically the Toronto area. So uh, by uh, the Shepherd TTC station. I, so I don't know if you would know where that is, but it's about 20 kilometers from this from the Scotiabank Arena. L- let me just make clear: this is so, so unlikely. It's so unlikely. First off, do you want to know what the name would be? Uh, the Hamilton Bulldogs. No, no, it's Toronto. Toronto. I, I, Toronto. I'm just joking because everyone oh. was saying Hamilton for the past oh. week. Yeah, Toronto Legacy Aces. That sounds like when you don't name your team in hockey, like NHL, and they give you a default, like the Barnaby Aces. Yeah. Well, first off, like what legacy? Uh, there's no legacy. <laughs> so I don't know what legacy you're basing this off of. So apparently there's this group, the Toronto Legacy Sports and Entertainment. They 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 confirmed like a five billion dollar private investment. What they want to do is like build this the biggest arena. It's gonna have like twenty five thousand seats, uh, and and then they're gonna build like real estate around it. So and apparently this was already pitched in like two thousand and nine, something similar to this. But here's the important part. The this group has not met with number one the city of Toronto, oh. and number two has not yet contacted NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman. So no, no, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. No. Imagine the money that the ML the MLSC is going to ask for. Because they, I believe that they have to they have to um, pay to get another team within a certain region a certain area. Now, if anyone listening knows the answer, please let me know because I'm not sure off the top of my head. But so at least a billion, probably. Well, the fee. Okay, what's the fee? What would the expansion fee be? Because no one's relocating anytime soon. Uh, because the NHL, because they hate bringing teams to Canada, it would be at least a billion. At least, or uh, is what? Ve- Vegas was five hundred million. Seattle is six fifty. And Vegas was the is the first big sports market in Vegas, right? That isn't like you know boxing or stuff like that. Seattle is Seattle. That's a big market, but. To put another Canadian market, you know the league would jack up the price. And to dare try and take away – first of all, a big reason why the league isn't going to try and so is because the Leafs are one of the top three revenue things in the league. So it makes no sense for the league to split that in half. No. It, it doesn't make any sense. I find it hard to believe it's going to happen. But, but I, I want – the reason I – I wanted to talk about this too is because I wanted to get into a a different discussion in what cities or what are possible cities that could potentially be a future NHL team. Because I know you're about to say Quebec City, but I don't really know if that's going to happen anytime. Like that's like putting another, that's like putting a team in Hamilton, right? 
it's not yeah. as, it's not it's not that bad, but it's pretty it's pretty because you know there's been a market there before. But the unlikely thing with with Quebec is just the market size. It is an intense fan base, but if you have ever been to Quebec City, it's not big. Right. And yeah, obviously there is a different there are there are different things of what do I want to happen and what do I think is going to happen. Uh, I know Houston has always been one of those yeah probably teams. But I just have this this personal thing of I would be so mad if Dallas got a second if Texas got a second team before Quebec got the Nordiques back. But Houston does make sense, obviously. It's a big market. Other cities, I mean In uh, in Canada. Do you in think Canada, uh, there's no other cities? You don't think they can put a team in Regina? Don't oh hi John Shannon. <laughs> I'm no. just asking. Okay, would it be full? Yes, but that doesn't mean it's going to be successful financially. Absolutely not. No, Regina, get out of here. I, it would be nice. It'd be a great farm, but it's not sustainable as a business. They just had the the Heritage Classic in Regina, right? Y- yes. Okay. No, I'm just making sure. I'm just yeah. making sure. Okay. So, no, you could not put an NHL team anywhere else in Canada. I um Quebec City is the closest and we all know how difficult that's going to be. Okay. Okay. In fact, I like guess. Quebec's the only place you could even do like a relocation. That's how thing it is in Canada, right? Yeah, but you're not going to relocate. There's no if Arizona isn't going to relocate, what team is going to relocate? It would have to be Ottawa, but then you just know. <laughs> Oh my God! If they moved Ottawa to Quebec, that'd be, that'd be funny. I would be very okay with that. I would be okay with the two. I think it'd just be funny. <laughs> then Montreal could spank Quebec City's butt. For- <laughs> Why not? But there's not even in the U.S. Could you think other than Houston of other teams that could support an NHL team? See, uh, Alex. I never told you this, but I am really, really bad at geography. So let me just get up. I'm going to random. So I'm no, I'm not going to try. I'm going to make myself look like an idiot. I know nothing about. I I know absolutely nothing about geography, so I couldn't tell you the big. So, well, just San Francisco could make sense. Maybe. Because okay. like I look at the teams that have good markets in the NBA, and I say could. Could they support? I'm looking at the MLB, so. Could they support an um, an NHL team? And there's no, I don't know how many, how many could, just based on how popular it would be. Exactly, that's the big, the big problem is it's not. So a big... like a like a place like Milwaukee, who I think are growing in basketball popularity, I don't know if they could sustain a hockey team in there well you know what alex maybe that's why the nhl are so firm like we're happy with the 32 teams we have because maybe they don't see it working in any other city for the foreseeable future or at least for however yeah. long gary bettman plans to be around i think he plans to be around for a while and i have I no complaints no we've we've let it known that we're fans of gary bettman alex do you know what i really like not as much as I like Gary Bettman, but something I do like. Uh, who? I really, really like polls. 
Oh, the polls, yes, yes. They're they're complete BS, as we have learned, but they're still fun to look at. So ESPN, who for some reason care about hockey all of a sudden, which is a little annoying, decided to do a, I believe it was a 50-player NHL poll. Have you seen this? Wait, 50 players? I think it was 50 players. Oh, my God. So, have you seen this? No, because I, you told me not to look at it. Okay, good. So, I'll read this. This is by Emily Kaplan. Lovely name. Welcome to the NHL Player Confidential. We canvassed the league asking 50 players some pressing questions about the hot-button issues in their sport. Ever wonder what club has the worst visiting locker room? What Road City players dread the most? Spoiler alert, the Winnipeg Office of Tourism will not be tweeting this story out. How about recreational drug use, which I, I'm, I'm being very jokey right now, but that is something interesting I want to talk to at the end of this. Burner Twitter accounts playing in Seattle and that big fuzzy orange mascot in Philadelphia. Our panel of pros got in their share of cross checks. <laughs> you know what's really weird about this poll, though? I haven't looked at it, but just by what you're saying, the fact that they only got 50 NHL players, doesn't that seem like a really low number? It does. Like what? I, oh, I don't know. It just seems it, like an extremely low number. Well, it's really – well, anyway. So number one, it asks which teams have the worst visiting locker room. There's the top five, Alex. I want you to just give me a few that you think might have the worst because one of these I've known – has always been one of the worst. So what do you think is the worst visiting locker room in the league? The worst one? Yes. Uh, I feel like it's it's a team I'm not expecting. Do you want me to tell you the top five? Is is a No. Yeah, yeah, tell me the top five. And I'll take a guess which one's worse. Don't give it to me in order. Okay. Carolina, Boston, Washington, Florida, the Islanders. Wait, Boston's in there? Boston has been – I have always heard Boston's one of the worst. I would have never guessed that. Okay, I'm going to go with the Islanders. As the worst? Yeah. You are – Wrong. It was the second best of these five. Four percent oh, of the players said it was the it was the worst. Two percent said Florida. Eighteen said Carolina. Thirty-four said uh, said Boston. And forty-two percent of these fifty players said it was Washington that was the worst. Wow, that's interesting. So I guess they don't give a reason. So here That'd are nice some of the here are the some there's actually some quotes here. Oh, what perfect. say? Washington showers are so bad. They're like prison showers. They're <laughs> in the middle, then just spews that come out of one pole. Not that I care if somebody's showering next to me, but I really – it's just a really weird shut up, um, setup. Boston is brutal. You're right there next to the rink. It's cold. You're not comfortable. If you feel comfortable, you're not going to play well, so that's probably why they do it. It's a competitive advantage. Shut up, whoever said that. I'm not a fan of the old Coliseum in Long Island. It's too long a walk from the locker room to the ice. I hate, I hate it. Florida, I mean, it's too. Uh, you're, apparently, your gear is never dry, swampy, sticky. That makes sense, actually. And then there isn't much about Carolina. So, I think I heard you say a team, and you're actually going to be very surprised. 
Which teams have the best visiting locker room here, Alex? Or is the, they give us the, the top four. Give me a guess. Did I say this team before? I think I heard you start to say it. I was going to say uh, Edmonton. Do you want to give that answer? Yes. 40% of this poll say that Edmonton have the best locker room for visitors. Which makes sense because it's a very new arena. Yeah, that's why I was I, – I changed my mind. I forgot they just got a new arena. So the top three are actually all pretty if you really think about it. The fourth best is Minnesota apparently. <laughs> Only really if their team could be like that. They have really good fans who deserve a really good team when you think about it. Third, right? <laughs> because obviously Little Caesars is brand new. Vegas is the second best, obviously, because again, another new arena. And Edmonton is first. Uh, Edmonton is like a penthouse, they say. The visiting locker room is the best thing about going to Edmonton. <laughs> Vegas is huge. It's got good showers. None are too close to each other. So, yeah, and then someone – the Detroit, they talk about some good restaurants and that. But all those fans are knocking on the glass. It's pretty annoying for the entrance. So that's mean. Now, they asked 50 players, would you play for Seattle in year one? 60% said yes, and 40 said no. I'm not that, that surprised about that. that. That doesn't surprise me. Like, you look at how Vegas did uh, in, in the first year. You look at, number one, how they played on the ice. Uh, number two, the fans in the actual building, the atmosphere, um, and I think players can kind of expect the same thing to come from Seattle, especially the way people are, were uh, looking to buy tickets. I think you can kind of expect that same type of atmosphere. Well, the player comments are exactly what you're saying, actually. Vegas open minds up. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's a great city. They put a lot of money into the rink, so that's cool, and it worked out for Vegas. Someone who said the travel would probably suck, but other than that, it would be sick. Then there's yeah. people saying, I'm on the East Coast. I like my current situation. I've been to Seattle. I played junior there, all that kind of stuff. That Those are the obvious reasons. Now, you like your current situation, and the, the travel, I can imagine, will not be fun. No. You, you look at the mess in Vancouver and Utica, right? Yeah. So, number four, would you feel – I thought this was very interesting. I saw people give crap to players about this, but I actually very much understand this. Would you feel comfortable appearing in a national ad campaign for, say, Nike or Gatorade, or do you feel that it would be too much of a distraction to your team? 64% said yes, 36 said no. Wait, wait, sorry. What? An ad for Nike and Gatorade? Or Gatorade, yeah. Or Gatorade. Now, but don't they what, already appear – like, don't all these guys appear in national ads? I don't think all of them do. Like, no, the, not all of them, but yeah, the big ones do. See, the problem you really have here is is the 50 people isn't enough. Like, there's there's some funny things here. I'd do it. I wouldn't do body issue. Um, there's a fair answer here that said, I like to fly under the radar, so that's a no for me. It would be fun – but I'm sure the guys would chirp me, stuff like that. Just an innocent little one. Anything to say about that? I, I don't – not really – I'm not surprised. Like how many people get national ads in the NHL? Sid. Yeah. 
Nate McKinnon. Okay. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner with that damn Apple stuff at the beginning of the year. Okay. Um, PK is definitely always on stuff. I I used I would think I've seen a lot of price stuff, but I was only in Montreal. It's actually not that much if you really think about it. Right. I think Cis Lafreniere and Marie Philippe Marie Philippe Poulin have some stuff for LDS, but again, not national. So, so it's five. Not that many. Five. You named five players. Yeah. So I I understand most of them aren't gonna do a national one anyways. So I I'm not like I'm not surprised by the answer. It depends on your personality. Like I again, it comes back to who are the fifty players you interviewed, like are your or pulled. Like it depends on it. Not every like one of the quotes. Not everyone likes to be. Not everyone likes the attention. Yeah. So this next one is very interesting to me. Um, if only my computer – don't go on ESPN.com. I don't know what it is, but my computer just doesn't like it. The NHL doesn't punish for recreational drug use. Is this good or bad? 24 people said good, 14 bad, 62 were indifferent. Now, Wait, was that percentage points? I just said people because it's, it's – oh, no, I, oh, I swore – oh, Alex. Adam. <laughs> so Adam. Fourth episode in the in a row. Oh, I'm doing so well to start. The, the live show Maybe. goes. The NHL doesn't. 24% said good, 14 bad, 62 indifferent. So I'll read you some of the comments here. I don't think it's a problem. We're all professional athletes. We take care of our bodies and know what to do. If you're a pro athlete, you should know what's good for you. Marijuana, we all grew up hearing that it was bad for you, and now it's legal. Our kids are going to grow up thinking it's just normal. It's like beer for us, but cocaine, I don't think there's any room for that. I think it's good in other sports. You see guys getting suspended for weed. It's in their body. I'd rather have that than opioids, right? It's not performing enhancing, and it doesn't give you an edge than whatever. I think it's both. If you're talking about marijuana and cocaine, one of those drugs is probably beneficial. The other one is not. So maybe the policy needs to be redefined. See, I find this entire question a joke because I don't the, get the question though. That can you read the question again? Because I don't quite get it. The NHL does not punish for recreational drug use. Is this okay. good? It's not punished for recreational drug use. What do they? Do? Number one, what do they define as a recreational drug? Number two, I don't get what the what half these players were saying. Maybe I'm just not under, I'm not getting it. And you need to say it again. I, I'm not sure. Like Alex, I'm someone. I don't drink. I don't smoke. You know what? Do you hear that? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm just I'm I'm very against all that stuff. So maybe that's just me. But I mean, the NHL needs to crack down on it. And again. Certain drugs are outlawed for a reason. Marijuana is legal, so that's fine. But stuff like cocaine and and um, there was a really good athletic article and Molly being popular in that. Again, it's 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 legal for a reason, idiots. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I guess the NHL's take is okay. Do what you, this. I'm not agreeing with this. I'm just saying 
This is my guess. I don't agree with this take at all. I agree with you. If it's not legal, then yes, you should be, I guess, punished for doing it because it's not it's not legal. Quickly, let me just tell you the next question because it relates. Given okay. the NHL's uh, approach to recreational drug use, does the NHL have a cocaine problem? Yep. 58% said no. Listen, I don't – honestly, those guys could be right. I don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Uh, there was a Kuznetsov, in, uh, Kuznetsov incident. I don't know how many more incidents there are. It just – it feels like there are more incidents like that. I, I say – I think we've talked about this enough with Kuznetsov and that. I think our, our stance is pretty well known on this. And until people really start caring, I don't know if there's much else to say. Um, which well, something it's it's bad to say this, but something will ha- something has to happen. Something bad has to happen, and then they will change. Well, Alex, I say we move on from that and we go back to the fun stuff. Like, okay. let's rip on Winnipeg. Oh. Awesome. This was expected. Which road cities do you hate the most? Buffalo was number two. Winnipeg number one at forty-two percent. I'm not first, surprised. The first comment: Winnipeg. It's always cold. Man, I, oh, okay, fine. I just oh, whatever. <laughs> Winnipeg okay. is. You don't even want it's to leave coast to get a cup of coffee. Oh my god. But there's someone here saying. I'm sure a lot of people said Winnipeg, but I always like Winnipeg. There's stuff to do. We're close to the casino. If you want to go out for half an hour or whatever, wherever you go, there's always they always have TSN on. I can't I can't get that here on US-based television, so I guess that's a TSN lover. Buffalo is brutal. I don't think anyone looks forward to going to Buffalo. That the one that you said before about the the, the, the TSN guy must be a Winnipeg player. <laughs> read it man read it again tell me it doesn't sound like a winnipeg player who's from the u.s um i'm sure a lot of people oh my god who's who's probably harvey shifley i'm sure a lot of people <laughs> said winnipeg words lighting but i always like winnipeg there's stuff to do here we're close to the casino if you want to go out for half an hour i'm sounding russian or whatever wherever you go they always have tsn on i can't get that here on my u.s based team so they are american I guess. Well, a U.S.-based team, so they're on a U.S. team. My bad. You have gritty fatigue. 72% yes. said no. 72% said no? Whoever said yes, I guarantee you Claude Giroux was asked this. Oh, I'm kind of tired. Like, I get it, but it's kind of tiring. It, it's He's hilarious to me. Did you see what he did the other night trolling yeah. P.K.? Man. Oh no, I didn't see the PK Subban one. I saw the Kyle Bukowski's one though. Oh no, you didn't see PK's really? No, what was it? It was it was to Lindsey Vaughn seeing. Oh you yes, 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 yes. I saw it. I saw. Yeah, that. I'm surprised he's he uh he's still getting so much attention. To be honest, I thought it would wear out by now. I guess I don't really mind him. He's not like affecting me. It's just a lot. Do you have a Twitter burner account? 32% admitted it. Wait, sorry, go back. Just do, say uh, you cut out. Okay. Do, do you have a burner Twitter account? 
68% of them admitted that they do. No way. Yeah. That's insane. I'm not surprised, but. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 30, 32%. I think I said yes. 32% say yes. I'm still – I still – I feel like some people are saying – aren't telling the truth. I feel like it's more than that. Of course. Or they just asked the wrong players and got that answer. I have one that I've never tweeted on. I'm a – what do you call it? Oh, yeah, an egg. I don't think huh. it's a hockey player thing. No, it's a person thing. I've never logged on to Twitter in my life. That is definitely someone who is older. Uh, that's probably Patrick Marlowe. <laughs> Well, yeah, his, he doing. has his wife. His wife. He always uses his wife's Twitter. Yeah. And those are the NHL ESPN player polls. How do you? What did you think about that? What surprised you? Uh, not a whole lot, to be honest. I mean, like the burner account seemed extremely low. Um, I wasn't surprised about the recreational drug one. Actually, I was. Uh, that the number the that there was no they don't think there's a problem, but they're probably just saying that because they don't want to cause a kerfuffle. That no. was about it. Alex, I'm going to give you some stuff here, and I want you to guess who I'm talking about. Okay. So while I'm getting the standings up here, when it comes to the wild card, I'm second last in my division. I'm fourth last in the league. I'm a minus 18. My last 10 games, I am I am three six and one. I won last night. My record is five ten and one. And one of my best players is getting sued for half a million dollars in unpaid gambling markers. You are the San Jose Sharks. I am the San Jose Sharks. Oh, my. did you see Ryan Reeves' tweet? I did not. So he quote tweeted the story about Kane and the half a million dollars. And, and Ryan Reeves just said, Evander Kane looking for some speeding tickets that Ryan Reeves has. <laughs> oh, my God. So if, if stuff uh... in San Jose wasn't, you know, bad enough, there's the stuff of Kane. Carlson, we talked about, can't turn. They, they're relying on Patrick Marlowe to see them through, which is unfortunately... I am prepared to say that I was wrong. Anthony Stewart was right. Losing Couture might have been the worst. Sorry, losing, losing Pavelski might have been the worst thing for this team. Yeah, it's it's not fun. You want to know what their PDO is? Wait, wait. Do you know what their PDO is? What? 94.9. Oh. Well, apparently the big thing is Carlson and Burns aren't doing their, their thing of throwing shots on net. Which is incredible to me. Do That's want... funny because Burns has 14 points as it, and is tied with her Thomas Hurdle for the most points. Is he? Yeah. Well, they're due for a raise then. I mean, they can't be. The, I'm still confident they're going to bounce back, but you yeah. Meanwhile, he's oh. just laughing in the background. Who? Ottawa. Huh. We already uh, talked about it. It's, they have San Jose's first round pick. Oh, yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. They're just sitting there. Give me that pick. Just yeah. laughing. Every, they're just laughing at everyone else. Like, huh, you thought it was bad that we gave up Bone Byram. Just wait till you see what we get this time around. Yeah. 
Do you want to know what their say uh, their save percentage is as a team? It is. It has to be below 900. Yeah, it is below 900. I'm it is say 875. It's actually not that bad. It's 882. Oh, that's still pretty brutal. Compared you... to Jonathan Quick, it's decent. But... <laughs> Martin Jones has a save percentage of 889, and Aaron <laughs> Dell has a save percentage of 878. Yo, give respect to Aaron Dell. He destroyed Montreal a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's one of his two wins. Just to <laughs> One of his two wins. It's weird though because I go look at the I, I'm on their hockey reference page. Their power play percentage is above league average right now, and their penalty kill is above league average. So it's five one five that I, I think is really, I guess, screwing them. But I don't know where. Like I think I and I look at their defense and I go, oh no. Do you know who plays on the first pair with Brett Burns? Uh, is it the ghost of Mark Edouard Vlasic? No, it's Radim Simek. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. I, pro- I apologize. Can you say that? No, no, no. That's not real. It is. It is Radim Simek. Daily face-offs up because I don't believe you. I'm, it's on daily face-offs. Oh, no, no. Vlasic plays with Eric Carlson. No, and Vlasic has not been good either. And Brendan Dillon plays with Mario Ferraro. But I'm looking at them very quickly. Yeah. Goudreau is a bit, hmm, whatever. But him, LeBanc, Kane, Meyer, Hurdle, Couture, Sorensen, Marlowe, and Thornton is a really good top nine. And you look at it, oh my god, yeah, this this, this man, Radim Smek. And then Burns, Carlson, Vlasic should get you through it, but I, it, I just don't know. I, I think there's a very, a very big thing of where your confidence goes if you have no confidence in your goaltender. Yeah. Because Martin Jones doesn't know how to stop anything anymore. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. And everyone can look at me and say Patrick Marlowe really really again last night (laughs) okay fine you want to play that game with me that's fine I don't care that part Patrick Marlowe scored again last night but this team where is this team's pardon buddy seven points in 12 games he's not been a slouch he's playing but this team has but this team has yeah, oh, he's playing third line with with at a cap hit of seven hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. When someone comes to me and says, "Oh man, you must miss Patrick Marlowe," no, I don't miss Patrick Marlowe at six point two five million dollars. No. That's the problem. If he was on a one million, like if he was on a cheap contract, sure, I'll take Patrick Marlowe. But. I. I'm going I'm going to quickly move on here because I want to focus on 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 the Sharks. I okay. don't want you to yell about Toronto. I'm just yelling about Patrick Marlowe. Yeah, but why are you being mad at Patty? I'm not mad at I'm not mad at Patrick Marlowe. I'm mad at at the people try to tell me that we should have should have kept Patrick Marlowe. That's all I'm well, yelling at. Well, dude, you know he took he took he took people's money. He took Jake Gardner's money. 
anyway, Alex, there's two more things to talk about. I ask you this every week, but are we talking Leafs first or are we talking Montreal? You can go first. As you always say. <laughs> I texted you last night because I was... Oh, it was after the game because I was – I think I said, oh, I'm sorry. We're too busy beating the Boston Bruins. And yeah. Oh, my God. It was a stressful game. So, of course, it was Claude Julien's – I believe it was. Hold on. I have the stats here, of course. Claude Julien, former coach of the Boston Bruins, when they, of course, won the Stanley Cup in 2011. Claude Julien played his – hold on. I almost have it here. I almost have it here. He coached. His, a, an amazing game. Hold on a minute. I have my HFR notes. His 1200th game last night. See, Congratulations. I, yeah. So Victor Mete had his first multi-goal game since he was a member of the London Knights. That's incredible. Sorry. January 29, 2015 was the last time. There was someone who had a sign. Who it said, si mettez fait un tour de chapeau, je me ma blonde. Impossible. Which, when you translate that, says, if Mette scores a hat trick, I'll marry my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, Mette only had two. <sighs> but Paul Byron got his first of the season, which was awesome to see. Tomas Tatar. Ben Sherrod had the game winner. Wow. Ben Sherrod. He was playing. It was so stressful, dude. There was, in the same shift, Palin took a puck to the side of his face. Oh, no. Jeff Petrie's leg went out under him, so they both went off the ice, came back healthy. Brandon Gallagher took a shot to his hand, the same hand he's broken twice. He came back. Price was not good. They were they had a 3-1 lead that they blew. And then the Bruins, Montreal got lucky with an offside that probably should have counted, but I'm not complaining about it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Oh. What what do you, was that offside? Because I, I didn't get to see uh, – I haven't seen a replay yet. But so the, I heard people talking about it. The argument was that Buddy didn't have possession, and technically he didn't. So, I mean, it could have gone either way. And I, I needed to take a second. I started playing solitaire when that game, when that puck went in. I'm not gonna lie, but still, I mean, I'm not. It, the the big thing that game was if you saw David Pasternak scored. He ha, he has 15 goals by the way. In 15 games. Yes, he had a shot that I feel so bad because no one in the world was stopping that. But the the Bergeron line only had like six shots. And that was their only point because, by the way, the a lot of people don't know how good the top line of Montreal, of course, being Tomas Desar, Brandon Gallagher, Philippe Deneau. People don't know how good that line is. They completely shut down the Bergeron line. It was a miracle. Whenever you, all of a sudden you see that – when I see Andrew Berkshire talk about how dominant Montreal are, are being, I know that something is going really, really well. Because he, he's not someone who's afraid to talk about how bad Montreal are. But they kept them to, I believe it was, two shot attempts, period, in the first period. That's how crazy it was. Against two shot team. attempts? In the first period. Which shots or shot attempts? Shot attempts. Wow. Yeah. That is... And people are wondering why Bob McKenzie gave my boy Philippe Deneau a sulky vote last year. 
think about it. Jonathan Druin was dropping. He was dropping people at the end of last night's game. Jonathan Druin doesn't know how to throw a body check, and I, I love him, but yeah, it was it was tough, man. It was it was really weird, but it was it was awesome to beat the Bruins. That was uh, with Montreal beating them last night. That was only the Bruins' second regulation loss. They're eleven two and two. Oh my God. So the, these are the three stars. Oh God. Tar with two points. Ben Chirot with two points. Victor Mete, of course, two goals. You love to see it. They had him playing with uh, Jeff Petrie in the top. It was the real top pairing. They had Weber and Chirot as a pair. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> no. But then, no, it was Mete and Weber. I mean, Mete and Petrie has been, is probably Montreal's top pair by the end of the year permanently. So that was really nice to see. Paling, I did not notice. But at the same time, I think there were real jitters because when he got his his game last year. It was a nothing game in the grand scheme of things. This was a fully super intense game against the Boston Bruins. And if you've listened to Hockey Central and you know, I'll say David Amber was saying, can we please get a Bruins Habs rivalry? Because this, yeah. of course, you know how intense it is with Toronto. And I am biased as a Habs fan, but whenever Montreal played Boston, it's amazing how Tuka Rask crawls into a shell and is totally trash. But it's just stressful and it's just fun to watch. So you said before that they're 11-2-2. Two two. I'm looking at the standings. And right now, Washington is 11-2-3. Uh, so they have 25 points. They have played an extra game than the Bruins. And St. Louis is third, just behind uh, Boston by one point. So they have 20-23. Is that going to be the battle at the end of the season? Do you think that's going to be the battle for the President's Trophy? I think, but the, the one thing you have to count on is, A, does Bergeron stay healthy because he's been getting a, a bit a bad injury or two? How are the Blues going to continue to play without Tarasenko? And another big question to me is, when are Tampa going to wake up? Because I am waiting for that. Also, right. Vegas need to get it together because they're good. We know they're good, but they're not at their potential. So well, some of the fun. teams, yes, but there's a lot that still needs to happen. Yeah. Well, don't worry. The Leafs will uh, help them get back on track tomorrow. Well, Alex, um, <laughs> I guess my more – I will talk more about Montreal in my HFR, which I will be recording after this podcast. So Drew Doughty says some stuff. Toronto going a 3-1 win. Over them, Nylander had a really nice goal. We all love to see that in the advanced stats community. I say that because there's the old people who don't like numbers, and then there's us reasonable people who actually care and know that Nylander's not terrible. So tell me about that game last night, Alex. Well, let me get to the good stuff, which is like one thing. (laughs) Dermot looked really good. I I thought he looked really good. Uh just it looks like he's i don't know if he's back to hunting i think he's at 100 percent health wise i i don't think he was been playing 100 percent the way he used to i think he's getting there uh patan was playing with Tavares and marner which was funny he had five points in two any uh two ahl games over the weekend um I, that's not really significant but i thought it was funny it, it seems like they're trying to showcase Batan, and uh, it was funny because uh, J.D. Bunkus 
from Sportsnet was like, it makes no sense to showcase Patan now. He was literally free a month ago. Why? What are you doing? And now he, he I believe he has to go through waivers again at some point because it's been over 30 days. So I don't I, – I was like, why are you showcasing him? Like I get playing him. That's fine. But showcasing him, I don't know. Kerfoot, I don't know if you saw the hit last night. No. No. I was from Jeff Carter just got uh, Alexander Kerfoot. It was clean. Like it was clean. Like he got sent to concussion protocol, but it was a clean hit. Um. Now to the bad stuff. I say this again. Cody, <laughs> Morgan Riley and Cody CC need he to be better. better. Did last he year, play like his third least amount of ice time last night? Yeah, but the thing is, when five on five, they're on the ice. Oh, I'm sorry. I just saw it. Oh, my God. Yeah, but it's clean. Right? You see it. It was to the shoulder. It was to the chest. It wasn't to the head. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Go on. Yeah, I just – oh, my Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, Alex. So we know that Morgan Riley can be better. We saw with – even with Ron Hainsey last year. Who complimented who complimented his game? Maybe giving Morgan Riley a better defensive partner or someone who help who compl- who does the opposite of what like of what he does will help him. Put and I know it's still I think might be a little too early to say this, just because he just got back and we got you got to ease him into things, especially with a shoulder injury, especially that people it's basically a month into the season putting Travis Dermott on the first pairing may not be the worst thing in the world I think it really helps this team or you need to make a trade get rid of someone and bring in someone who can play with Morgan Riley I don't know who that is but something no stop it Someone now, and this and this might be a crazy idea because they're doing well, and he's been. It was rumored last year he was gonna get traded, but Chris Tanner. I don't know what you think, but I feel like that's someone who you could potentially play with, Morgan Riley. But again, he's a UFA at the end of the year. It just makes the the D situation a lot more complicated and i don't know if that's something kyle dubis wants to put himself if he wants to put himself in that situation i would not really want to do that now that they're finally right i'd be looking competitive right that's that's the second thing it's just someone like that i guess so apparent this is from luke fox i'm not saying no you can say it i'm not luke fox jukebox Mitch Marner is 30% at draws, and yet he's taking them shorthanded in the defensive zone. King's easy possession off face-off leads to power play goal. Did we not say that – or I did. Did I not say this about Zach Hyman last year? When he was taking face-offs on one knee? 
Yeah, when number one, when he was taking face-offs on one knee, and when he was just taking face-offs on the penalty kill. He doesn't take face-offs. He really doesn't take face-offs. So that's kind of annoying to see that we, we're doing the same thing over and over again, and nothing is changing. Now, there's one thing that I saw Mike Babcock say. So he, uh, Mark Masters says he was asked about discipline in the pregame interview. And Babcock said, eventually the room has to clean that part up. Oh, yeah, I saw your tweet about this. And I said, I'm sorry. I, or, this is my tweet. I don't know if eventually is good enough anymore. After the knee, did we talk about the Nylander benching? We did. Okay, so I don't need to go into that. After the Nylander benching for a poor play, I'd like to be, see Babcock do the same with other players when it comes to taking stupid penalties. No. Why can't why why isn't that why can't we do that? Because Nylander's no because why? because because Nylander's actually good and people can't deal with it. People. People can't deal with the idea that a, that this man who held out until the, until the night before December 1st can, number one, play hockey. Number two, is no, great with us. But it was like – it was half an hour before the deadline at five. Okay, half an hour before the deadline at five. Number two, he's great with Austin Matthews. And number three – I don't know what number three is, but so I'm just going to go with those two. He, he gets all the crowns from Jesse Blake. And he gets all the crowns from Jesse Blake. That's the three. Why is it that it's only William Nylander? And I get the last couple of games because you know what? Tavares was out. Muzzin was out for a game. You really – who are you going to depend on? You're going to really give – Martin Marincin 25 minutes? I mean you're playing him on the top four. I don't know why, but fine. Now, that right now, when even with Hyman out, your your wing depth is perfectly fine. Your wing depth is more than good enough to say when that you can put someone there. You literally bench Nylander and play Dmitro Timoshov. I think you can bench other players. So eventually is not good enough. Eventually is really not good enough anymore. And I'm not panicking, and I'm not saying Mike Babcock should be fired. I'm saying Mike Babcock has to look at this team because Mike, I'm sorry, Mike Babcock is a smart coach. Despite what other people want to say, I don't think he should be fired. He needs to stop being stubborn and change. That's what he needs to do. But he's over the age of forty. Oh, he's so what? Did, what? So what? He's not going to change. He's been the same coach for how long? I, I'm not just. I'm not sitting here saying fire Babcock because I can't wait for another Game 7 collapse. But, I mean, say, sitting there saying, hoping he's going to change, it looked like he was going to change after, or he said he was going to change after last year, and he still he hasn't. Okay, so so what what's the next move for the Leafs? Because... Obviously, if he's not going to change and the the players aren't going to aren't going to listen to him or the players aren't going to I don't know what's going on in that dressing room. Babcock needs to do something, right? Yes. So it's it's not waiting until your players fix it. It's demanding that they do something. And if you're not going to play, you can sit down. 
you can be benched. And and, and I heard them talking about it yesterday or, or the day before on Hockey Central at noon about putting players in the press box. And I agree with the idea that it teaches them a lesson. But when your players are making a, over $10 million or $6.9 million or any of those top players, you can't put Matthews, Tavares, Marner, or Nylander, or Riley in the press box. Because those are the guys that we're all compl- or except Tavares. Those are the guys we're complaining about, right? Yes. At the end of the day, we're complaining about four players, and then everyone else is is making money. That fine. You just need to get better, but prove it on the ice. Do you think maybe Babcock has a thing of the big kind of downward spiral that was October? A lot of it really started when Tavares was out. So do you think maybe he's saying, all right, we've got our captain back, see what kind of how he stabilizes stuff. And then if there's an issue, then you start taking it seriously. You know what I have a problem with that is, though, or what what the problem I have with that, sorry, is that last night, I'm sorry, but John Tavares did not look his best. He... I get he's back. He has the extra protection on in the – I think he broke his middle finger or something, one of those fingers around there. Uh, and he just did not look like John Tavares. So how many games do you think it's going to take John Tavares to look like John Tavares after missing does, seven games? Does he have new gloves that have like like padding in that in them? Yes, yeah. He had, so he had I- extra so Brendan Gallagher has the same, and apparently there's like pl- like steel plates in them. So oh, I, I, I don't know if there's steel plates. I saw some people say that obviously they 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 said maybe his finger's still broken. I really hope that they're not. Obviously, a broken finger isn't a concussion, but at the same time, I'd really hope they're not rushing him back, or that I don't, himself is saying, "Hey, listen, I'll, I'll complain." You know. I don't. I don't know if it's still broken, but I don't know if it's a hundred percent. And at the end of the day, if he, they rushed him, the reason behind it is probably um, is oh look how poor we're playing. We really need our captain. I don't think that's justified. I don't think that's a, a justifiable answer to get to rush someone. But again, so. How many games do you think it's going to take John Tavares to properly be John Tavares? Oh, I, I don't know. I would, I wouldn't, I'd give him like two or three. And if something's bad after another two games, then I think you have an issue. So now we're talking a 10 game span where seven of them, you didn't have John Tavares. And now another three where John Tavares was, was something might not be a hundred percent. That's a I'm that's a lot of games to say to say. Oh, we'll fix it eventually, right? I, I don't think that's a it, it's a good enough excuse. Think about this, and I've heard this a lot, and and I finally clued in on it. The core of this team before John Tavares got here was Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Riley, Anderson. Right? Uh, yeah. John Tavares. With respect to, to JVR and Bozak before they left, we all knew they were leaving, but respect yeah, yeah, to Yeah, we all knew, uh, but they were the core, the young new core of this team. 
yeah. was those four players. John Tavares was an added bonus. No one saw that. No one saw John Tavares coming. After the whole Steven Stamkos thing, no one in Toronto thought John Tavares was coming. I didn't think John Tavares was coming. I'm like, oh, no way he's coming. He's probably going to go to San Jose. Well, I think people still so, have staying, John up, T- staying with the Isles until the night before. Right. But at the end of the day, this team should have looked good without – like good without John Tavares. But it doesn't. It does not. It looks like a mess. Last night, Matthews and Nylander looked invisible until those last whatever, 10, 5, 10 minutes, invisible. Philadelphia, they were okay. Washington, they were – Matthews was good, uh, but the line was okay. And before that, it's un, it was unimaginable. Like this team, I don't know what's wrong. On paper, this team's supposed to look spectacular. On the ice, this team doesn't. It, I don't know if it's, they're playing for themselves, as Ovi was saying, or if there's something wrong with uh, in the room with the coach. But something's not there, something's not right, and something needs to change. I I personally don't think that Babcock needs to go. I think Babcock needs to do something. I'm not saying he needs to change his philosophy or change the way he plays, uh, wants them to play, because that's not going to go well. You saw – I don't know if you remember when uh, Guy Boucher was in Ottawa. Uh, he played – he's an uh, – was he – he changed the way that they played, and it did not go well. It, look, it, look what happened. We talked about it earlier. They were in the conference finals, and they went to the bottom. So, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Toronto, but I'm saying getting Mike Bobcock to change the way he wants them to play, that's not. That's why he's a good coach. He has set that way of playing. But Babcock needs to do something in the room, whether it's benching someone who for doing something stupid or I don't know what, taking someone off the power play, putting someone – look, he put Marner on the fourth line. He put Marner on the fourth line when Marner wasn't playing well. Make a move that sparks this team. That's what he needs to do. He doesn't need to be fired. He doesn't need – we don't need to bring Sheldon Keefe yet. If we lose in the first round of the playoffs again, yes, then that's when something actually needs to change. But right now, Mike Babcock needs to do something in the room to bring the players back to him because right now they're not with him. I, I don't know what else there is to say. It seems like this team has a very short window to prove something. I I, I don't agree with that. I think this team, despite what people think that, oh, Matthews is going to leave in five years, Marner is going to leave in six, whatever, whatever. The team has a, has a base. The salary cap is going up. Oh, I'm right? not saying their window is closing. I'm not that stupid. No, but you're saying they have a short window. I don't know if that's right. I don't mean to be competitive. I'm just saying, like, it it seems like the patience of everyone is is growing very, very thin here. And, like, you even have Steve Dangle, who has been a very big voice of reason in that fan base, saying that I'll I'll give you to the end of November. 
and he's fed up. And like Steve has been a very calm and composed person, but even he's getting to the end of his leash. That is saying something. Yeah. Listen, I'm not saying we need to because I know there's people saying we should tear this down and start again or whatever. If we pardon? Yes, that's it's so dumb. Let's trade our 22 year old 40 goal scorer and our 22 year old 90 point playmaker. No. No. I'm saying right, like I don't think that makes sense. I think something needs to be done within the room itself, whether that be with through John Tavares and Mike Babcock. Or whether that be through Kyle Dubis making a move to teach, like to show them something. I I don't know what it is, but I don't think I don't I don't consider myself one of the people who are absolutely blowing it up, who want to blow it up or panicking because we should keep the core together. That for the core that I was mentioning before. At the end of the day, that's the team plus Tavares. Even Anderson, that's the team. Um, so maybe I don't sound like I'm that person because I'm just extremely passionate. But yeah, I'm trying to get the idea across that we don't need to blow it up. Listen, do you remember Tampa Bay missed the playoffs, right? Yes. So oh, and they had to deal. I mean, I guess their situation was different because they were dealing with injuries. I'm not saying the Leafs are going to miss the playoffs. I'm saying that something needs to something needs to happen. That's it. I, I don't know what else to say. Well, Alex, I think on that note, I'm going to do my final check on Twitter to see if we're going to miss anything here. Uh, I don't think so. Um, if you want to know the highest percentage of team goals involved since the start of 2016-17, McDavid is part of 46.6% of the Oilers. That's interesting. Do you think – I don't know why I'm bringing this up. Do the do the Raptors have a real chance of getting Ante Tecumpo? Oh, man. I want to say they do, I but I don't I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I saw Jimmy Bunkus talk about yeah, that. Like, yeah. really? No, no, I don't think it, – it, it's a lot – I think certain things would have, have to go right. Yeah. They have, and I know this isn't a basketball podcast, but I'll be real quick with my answer. They have the organization, I think, to go out there and do it with the reputation that they have. Uh, I don't know if it's something that he would consider. If, right, it depends on where the team is at at that by the time he hits free agency. I am making a prediction. Okay. He, the Toronto Raptors. And the LA Lakers will be the yeah. two front runners for Giannis Antetokounmpo. You're not even putting Milwaukee Bucks in that conversation. You're just assuming yeah. he's leaving. Yes. Okay. Because screw Milwaukee. Why? I don't, know. Like? I just don't like Milwaukee. Oh. <laughs> anyway, okay. Alex, I think that's everything for today. Oh yeah, one more thing before we go. Uh, go. Like and follow the Instagram page. I will put the link in the description. You ruined my outro. Oh, sorry. Well, I said it. So, as Alex said, we now have an Instagram page started by Alex here, producer Alex. We'll call him Shouty Shouty McGavin, producer Alex. Oh so my go God. check out the Instagram. Check out our Instagrams and Twitters and. I, we're not going to link Daniels, but check him out and then say, Daniel, stop being late for stuff. 
eventually he has to eat that pepper too. If you liked this episode of the podcast, of course, what you need to do is you need to rate it. You need to leave a review. You need to share it. You need to DM the pa- Panago Pizza and try and get us, uh, some sort of sponsorship. Stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, tweet at Pete Blackburn telling him to come on the show because we're too scared to ask him. No, you are. Uh, I mean, whatever. And again, uh, check out my YouTube channel because after we've done this podcast, I need to record the HMR for the Bruins game. And yeah. Alex, anything else to say? Uh, Yeah, one last thing. Uh, We also made a YouTube page and we're going to put up clips of the podcast. That's pretty much it. All right. Yeah. Um, So go follow and follow that. Subscribe to that too. I'll put the link in the description. By the way, Jake Gardner has less goals than Victor Mete. We never needed him. All right. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Two on One podcast.